Hello and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back quicker than usual as ever, uh, but we are back with our Game Week 16 preview. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by the Aston Villa to my Manchester City. It's Andy Case. Andy, that's because you are, have, and have always been when we played football, just a hot shot and you usually would take 11 times as many shots as I would. Yeah, is, well, is that what happened? In, is it specifically 11 times as many shots? 11 it? times, 22 shots to, to, for Villa to City's, to City's two. I thought that was a good ratio that summed up how we play the game. It probably did five a side very different though. Um, yeah, uh, in, interesting. And obviously City uh, losing to, to Villa. Um, it, Pep teams aren't usually like so reliant on one player. Um, particularly maybe a defensive player, but they really do see, even last season, when they'd won the treble, be very different when they haven't got Rodri, right? Um, seemingly, like, I, I mean, I suppose maybe there are parallels to, like, Xabi Alonso at Bayern under Pep and Busquets at Barca. Um, they are, I suppose, quite pivotal, those positions, to a mm-hmm. Pep team. But, um, yeah, Rodri, and I guess previously... Um, Fernandinho and stuff when when they weren't playing for City under Pep the the performances were less good I suppose weren't they but it, it, it so maybe I'm you know already undermining my own point but it just feels like it's so big the drop off uh, when when we're in this iteration of Pep team when when Rodri's not there still feels a bit to me like he's he's underrated like I that doesn't doesn't seem to be much discussion like you know everyone's waxed lyrical over the years about Busquets and about Alonso, but Rodri's got to be in that conversation to be one of the best holding midfielders we've we've seen. Like, is is he not? Am I just? I mean, I don't I think know. He's I think do it for a few more. Like Jabby Alonso and Busquets did it for like a decade or more, right? So he's got to do it for a bit longer to be in that level of conversation, I think. But um, I'd agree that he's probably been like underrated to this point. Yeah, I mean, I think he was in the team of the year last year and stuff, but. Um, where he come in like the Ballon d'Or rankings? I know, you know, I know that that's a total load of nonsense, to be honest. But like, you know, is he not, is he not in the on the top ten players in the world? Like, it feels like he probably is. He's also pretty reliable in terms of his fitness and stuff. And durability is, you know, not to, to coin an NFLism, but you know, durability is a skill too. And yeah, he's, I, yeah, I mean, I maybe, maybe I'm just a bit higher on him than, than others, but he. I guess City's results when he's not in the team speak speak volumes, and he does feel pretty irreplaceable. Um, I guess the plan was to kind of have Calvin Phillips doing his role when he wasn't available, and that just absolutely has not worked out. So, you know, John Stones comes in or Rico Lewis comes in, and it's just not quite the same yet, is it? No, no. Um, well, obviously not. The the results show that, but yeah, I mean, I guess his he's gets less plaudits from the Ballon d'Or sense because of he's not sort of viewed as as technically capable as a as a Xabi Alonso or a Busquets or whatever is he um so maybe that's got something to do with it as well but yeah it certainly seems as pivotal to the team as those types of players yeah absolutely um but yeah as you say an interesting result maybe we'll talk about some of those other results a little bit later as always on our game week 16 preview we will start then by running down the game week's fixtures we'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points of which again you know because of the very quick turnaround from game week 15 in fact one game week 15 is still playing as we are recording uh then there isn't loads 
uh, loads of news at least, but still a few things to talk about from an FPL point of view. Uh, we will be going through some players on the radar, but pretty similar radar to game week 15. Uh, we will be trying to catch each other in our high traps as there haven't been loads of transfers ahead of game week 16. And then we'll finish, as we always do, with captaincy and who the heck is that. Let's start then by running down those all-important game week 16 uh, these both game week 16 fixtures your FPL deadline this game week 16 is on Saturday the 9th of December at 11am UK time because lunchtime kickoff is Crystal Palace hosting Liverpool then we've got four three o'clocks they include Brighton playing Burnley Man United hosting Bournemouth Sheffield United against Brentford and Wolves versus Nottingham Forest before a tea time kickoff two teams in the top four it's Aston Villa versus Arsenal Moving on to Sunday, we've got Everton versus Chelsea, Fulham versus West Ham, Luton versus Manchester City and Spurs versus Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, Andy, obviously there has been some some pretty uh, interesting results, I guess, to start or, or to go through game week 15. Um, we mentioned one of them already in terms of Aston Villa beating Man City. There was one tonight in terms of Everton beating Newcastle at home, Everton out of the out of the relegation zone, uh, I believe after that after that drubbing against Newcastle, at least in terms of result, um, not didn't watch the second half, so hard to say how one-sided it may have been, but yeah, pretty, a pretty standout result. Um, I guess the been maybe not as many surprises, but there've been some pretty good games. But I guess from an FPL point of view, we've seen some rotation, we've seen some benchings, and then crucially, we've seen a Brian and Buemo injury that's going to keep him out at least for a couple of weeks. Um, high-owned player, so and one that we've had on our radar pretty recently as well. So maybe time to to sell and move on, especially given Brentford have a blank on the horizon too. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I, I, I guess at this point we should be hoping we get another presser before these fixtures i think yeah so i mean it, yeah more info will be will be helpful on that but if he is obviously i mean they've only got as you say two games and then a blank so it would seem quite a gamble at this point to be to be persistent with them by my which is very unfortunate because he's only recently been on our, on our radar hasn't he? and he's probably only fairly recently come into a lot of people's teams um so yeah a, a very one of those that's frustrating because you'll be we, we were talking just in the, on the last show about maybe people people building towards a wild card or you know he, uh, looking at the blank coming up and trying to adjust their transfers accordingly but this is one that um throws a spanner in the works there but maybe a move that you weren't expecting to have to make yeah absolutely and i think you were talking about your own team off air just before we started saying that you kind of almost got four players that you want rid of and and, and one of those is is Musa Diaby obviously benched for the second game in a row uh, by Unai Emery and and it feels hard to know how he's going to get back into Villa's team given how well they're playing at the minute Matty Cash also in a similar position having been benched a few times um there was also a benching for Costa Simicas who has a reasonable ownership but I think that's more probably down to rotation I think Klopp has said that the Simicas wasn't gonna gonna play every game given the amount that uh the, the amount that Liverpool have had and you know, I, I don't often feel sorry for, for Jurgen Klopp in terms of some of the comments he makes, but it does always seem that, like, that they do have um, shorter turnarounds than perhaps other teams. So, so yeah, plenty of, uh, you know, if, you, if you're tracking the hours between fixtures, it always feels like Liverpool end up having you know, a, a rough end of the deal. Um, but for, for those Villa players, I mean, given how the team is performing, um, but yeah, two relatively high-owned players that aren't getting game time anymore, I'm sure there's going to be some clamour for, for other Villa assets that are coming to the fore. 
Yeah, well, um, the post sort of the fixtures they've got coming up. Although I suppose you you could argue that even then the they're a very good team as demonstrated against Man City, right? But um, and part of me wonders as well. I mean, the Cash and Diaby have been dropped because of form, I think, in one re- regard. But actually, the way they played against City with having Konza as a right back kind of enabled them to have the flexible formation they wanted where Dean almost pushed into midfield when Villa were on the ball and McGinn could cut could kind of cut in more as a number 10 um, rather than being out on the left because Dean was doing the overlapping and the, keeping the width whereas if you don't play Konza at right back you can't shift to that kind of three centre-backs when you're in possession type thing so um, was that a specific tactic for the City game or is it something that are going to look to do more consistently anyway because it's working for them and because for whatever reason obviously Cash and Diaby have fallen down the pecking order a little bit I don't know what we'll have we'll have to see but um, I can't see people necessarily having that clamour for, for for Villa players anytime soon other than maybe like Leon Bailey who's been getting himself in involved quite a bit in the forward line. Yeah, I guess um, in terms of the underlying numbers, they're not really showing up, and I guess we'll we'll, we'll reference that when we come to the radar because you know they, it is absent of Villa players, but it just does feel like they're a good enough team that you almost kind of want to find a way into uh, in, 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 into them somehow. And and yeah, I guess Ollie Watkins is is the obvious pick, but it would be really lovely to have a you know a, a, a Villa defender or maybe even a Villa midfielder that, that that feels reliable from an FPL point of view and, and I guess we hope that we'd have it with Diaby and I know many many uh, owners felt that they did have it with Cash for a little while but doesn't seem to have uh, have, have run the distance so so yeah plenty uh, plenty plenty to move on it doesn't feel like that's an obvious Villa replacement um, let's move on Andy to our radar and once again no one quite in the centre for us but I guess we do feel a little bit like Dominic Solanke and Alexander Izak are a little bit hard done by not to be there because frankly, both of them have very good underlying numbers and both of them or both of their clubs at least top our fixture difficulty ticker that we're using uh, this season. I guess we're maybe just a little bit lacking on the eye test to put them right in the center. Um, Obviously both were in the mid range of our last radar and we did have a think about whether we could justify moving them up um both blanked this game week i think it's the second blank in a row for for Isaac, maybe not for for solanke there's obviously they're still getting in good positions the underlying numbers are still pretty decent um but yeah not something that we're quite seeing to make them almost like a, a headline pick players that we must feel like we have to bring into our team yeah well this hasn't happened consciously but it, but over the time it's sort of we used to have someone on the centre like almost every week, didn't we? And over time, it's become more so that we've we've almost created this this bar of to be on the centre, you have to be ticking a lot of the boxes, right? Um, and I think they are not either of them demonstrating the form slash output criteria that we'd that we'd want to see really of someone that we're saying is absolutely on the on the center of the radar because as you say yeah underlying numbers great their team's doing well they've got good fixture runs their output hasn't been awful at all they've both had goals recently but um you know preceded by stretches without them for different reasons so we yeah we'd i guess just 
but the fact that then they also blanked this game week, the both of them, there's kind of no, no extra, nothing extra on the form or output, you know, box there to help us kind of make a case to push him up. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, Isaac in particular, I guess his he had some really good underlying numbers before his before his injury. He hasn't come back quite in the same way in terms of the chances that he's getting, but still is Newcastle's focal point and ultimately is still having very high expected minutes because Callum Wilson continues to be out, whereas yeah, Dom Solanke um yeah, has had some slightly better output at least recently, but um, but yeah, still feel like to me he plays with his back to goal quite a bit, although I'm increasingly imp- impressed with how Bournemouth have been playing recently. And I think that he's still worth a bit of a gamble, hence why they both remain on the mid-range of our radar. Um, joining them on the mid-range of our radar, having been on the fringe ahead of the last game week, is Martin Dubravka. I guess, Andy, this is not necessarily down to his performance but we just saw him start tonight at least although he did concede three goals away at Everton although I don't think any of them were particularly on him um there's also just been less chat I guess about David De Gea I think we were a little bit concerned about Newcastle moving very quickly to bring in a player that could sign as a free agent um doesn't seem to have quite had the paper pickup after the Pope's initial injury that perhaps we would have thought. I'm sure things are still maybe going on behind the scenes or maybe they're not anymore. Um, it does sound like Newcastle are inclined to bring a goalkeeper in um, in January, but they're still five or so fixtures away from that. And at the minute, therefore, Martin Dubravka is a £4 million keeper playing for one of the teams with the best underlying defensive numbers in the league. Therefore, it feels like a, an increasingly no-brainer pick and maybe he would be on the centre if it wasn't such an unsexy transfer. Yeah, well, and again, it doesn't because he's only played one game, he doesn't can't tick the form box necessarily, right? But yeah, I think... Um, maybe he, we do need a, a sexiness kind of... Character, uh, a sexiness criterion for for the centre as well. Uh, I guess we would. I don't know. I think the both of us are either objective enough or like a hot take enough to put someone who isn't sexy on the centre of the radar. Um, Just feels like keeper, maybe not. Especially, yeah, especially a keeper that's not going to like maybe like, be around for that long in our team. Well, I think so. So like. If we get through January and they haven't bought anyone, I suppose there's still the risk of De Gea at that point because he's a free agent. But like, and and we and absolutely Pope's out for another three or four months further than that, and Newcastle continue to have the XG that uh, conceded that they have. Well, then I, I wouldn't be scared of putting Dubravka on there because he is ticking all those boxes at that point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess by that point he probably wouldn't be four million. And possibly we might have seen a drop off in Newcastle defensive numbers because of him, but that's that is yeah. you know that's guesswork, isn't it? Ultimately, yeah. But I think very, very you know rightly in the mid range here, I think a lot of people, uh, you and I included, strongly thinking about bringing him in. So uh, as I meant, as you mentioned, uh, Blinking and Buemo putting a bit of a spanner in the works for my my plans. But um, like yeah, I I quite seriously would like would like Dubravka in my team at the moment I think yeah I think I'm like 90% of the way or 90% sure that I'll be bringing him in this game week I toyed with it in the last game week decided to roll instead which has obviously given me two free transfers for this game week Dubravka at the time of recording at least I think he's only had one price rise which put him up from 3.9 to 4 so yeah I'm hoping to just kind of do that before 
uh, before it goes up any further in case indeed if it does go up any further but but yeah i think it's it definitely one that, that that makes some sense and ultimately yeah at the minute i don't only have one starting goalkeeper at sam johnston he's got some pretty ropey fixtures on the horizon and newcastle have less ropey fixtures on the horizon so you know he's likely to i'm likely to be bringing him in and giving him the start in the next couple of game weeks as well so um so yeah i think it it it, it feels like a bit of a, a bit of a no-brainer to me it might not be for everyone but i think uh i think given my current goalkeeper situation and the fact that i've got two free transfers to play with this game week it feels almost silly not to at this point i, um, I guess i guess one other caveat uh, as, as to why not he's not on the centre and maybe you would hold off maybe even just on this week is Spurs away so Newcastle mm. do have a good run but it's bookended by Spurs away and Liverpool away right so in game week 20 that is so far in the future the Liverpool away fixture um, so maybe that you know Spurs away this week's maybe you know not the ideal time to be bringing him in yeah, I guess I guess if I guess if his price doesn't rise and you can wait, then yeah, I guess maybe maybe you would be inclined to. But I think yeah, again, thinking about my team and jo- who Johnson has this week, I think I'm going to take Dubravka with Spurs away over Palace with Liverpool um, at home. But but yeah, wait, again, won't be necessarily be for everyone. And and yeah, maybe try and keep an eye on on rumored price rises for him if you do want to get him while he is still four million pounds because I expect. After this start, he could be quite a popular transfer in this game week. Um, let's move outwards to the fringe, Andy, and we've kept Anthony Gordon here. Still got reasonable underlying numbers. I think he's the fourth or third best midfielder for non-penalty XG in his last six. We didn't see loads of him tonight against Everton. He, 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 I worry about Gordon, whether he's a little bit of a show pony. Uh, it doesn't always back up his how effective and how electric he can be for some games doesn't always back that up with underlying numbers with you know with assists with goals um and can blow hot and cold a little bit but it does feel like he's being more consistent at least on the eye than he has been at any point in his career so far um and ultimately is playing for a team that is still pretty creative so justifies his place on the fringe but i guess maybe if he was a bit more expensive i don't think he'd be on the radar at all would he no, I think it's funny because you and I de- generally tend to have similar. There's the odd ones that we end up debating where we have different views, but more often than not, we have um, we tend to have a similar feel for players. Now, I think I've got the same gut feeling about Gordon in that there's just a level of like mistrust there, and in in the, him being, yeah, consistent with his output. And I mean, ultimately, what's got him on the fringe in the first place here last week was that he, he has produced some returns recently um i think we discussed with him being my huang decoy on who the heck is stat that has returned in nine out of 14 game weeks this season um he had been getting some underlying numbers as well as looking good on the eye so maybe that like flash on the panness is decreasing and the consistency is increasing um so but he's still a young kind of player ultimately so it would be reasonable for that to kind of develop and become better like over the years um and uh so so yeah yeah there are some some good signs there and they have good fixtures so and he's nailed you know he's nailed on in the team at six mil in one of the better teams in the league so um there there are plenty of positives there but 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 don't yeah i similarly to you i could see us dropping him like a stone off this radar if um if he starts to kind of um lose output quickly yeah yeah i feel like it took 
James Madison and maybe even Jack Grealish to some extent, like till they were like 25, 26 for them to start really posting numbers. Um, and maybe Gordon will be a little bit the same. I think, I do think that the impression of him generally, I'm not just saying from, from, from you and you and I's point of view, but I think in general, he is maligned by his price tag a little bit. Um, which you know ultimately he doesn't have that much say or control over, but but yeah, I, you know from this game's point of view, he's got an incredibly attractive price tag, and I think if if he was a little bit pricier, I don't think he'd be featuring here. But ultimately, he's still a pretty good budget midfield pick if you are looking to fill fill a hole. Maybe if you are looking to uh, to, to 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 move him. Brian and Buemo out and looking to save a bit of money or spend some money elsewhere in your team. And Anthony Gordon could be a good a good idea. Um, However, I think it's fair to say that we think this next player is probably a better Brian and Buemo replacement Andy, although he's perhaps a little bit more on the expensive side. Featured in our Anyone Else last week, and we've really gone for Phil Foden this game week. He's joint second uh, among the fielders for non-penalty expected goals. That's just behind Mohamed Salah. I don't know if you've heard of him from an FPL point of view. Um, and as Andy said about Anthony Gordon, we tend to align broadly on what we on our feel for players. And Foden is definitely a player that we have always felt very, very positive about. Um, he seems to be getting a run of games at the minute, and he, everything he seems to be doing is 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 good. Um, I guess it's more City's form than anything that makes me worry about Phil Foden a little bit. Um, and obviously, you know, there's always the Pep Roulette issue and obviously they do also blank in game week 18 so all of those reasons are a little bit buyer beware with Phil Foden but you know I own Embuemo and I've got a little bit in the bank and I'm really struggling to think of a better option at the minute for me than Phil Foden um you know I will be replacing a player that blanks in 18 with uh, with one that blanks in 18 I'm quite happy to bench him for that game week if I need to so yeah, I'm struggling to to. I feel like it's it, it it's a dice I would like to roll. I think at this point, Andy. Yeah, it depends how many. You know, if, if he becomes your third city player, you're starting to put yourself in a bit of a hole before that blank, aren't you? But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very happy that we're putting him on the fringe here. He, I think, um, it's important to note that City have a bit of a dead rubber Champions League fixture. So whilst there's this short turnaround going on at the moment, and Foden has started both of the games in the short turnaround, if he were to start Luton at the weekend, he would have a midweek or could have a midweek off. Pep could choose to, to rest or rotate him because doesn't need to play him in the Champions League and then a full week's rest till the next league game. So I think if I was Pep, given the situation in the two competitions that they're in, there I'd be you'd be looking to play your first team as best as possible in both league games right um coming up before they go off to the club world cup so yeah um I I you can never trust Pep and that logic makes sense but that doesn't mean that's how Pep's going to work so it makes me feel a little bit better than I usually would on the Pep roulette front but then he seems like a, a random crazy man when it comes to his team selection sometimes anyway. So uh, how much difference does that actually make? I'm not, I'm not sure. But his underlying numbers, certainly, uh, you, you can't argue with. Yeah, I think I mentioned in the last preview show that I had a game week 15 or I had a game week 14, maybe. I can't exactly remember now. Um, but my my cursor was hovering over, over him, whether to bring him in. I think he didn't end up returning. So, yeah, I think... I might take the risk this week. It's definitely something that I'm that I'm keen to look for 
um, especially given Brian and Bueno's injury and, and, and yeah, bringing, bringing in a replacement. I don't feel that enamoured with a number of midfielders at the minute. I mean, you might shake your head here, but I think when I was, when I had my finger hovering over Foden, I did look at Bruno Fernandes a little bit and there's just not really anything to back that up. Um, so yeah, that kind of maybe, maybe speaks to my own psyche, but, but yeah, I think I'd, definitely prefer Foden now and in the end I'm kind of glad I left glad I I, I definitely avoided Fernandez um given his penalty missed this game week um anyone else you Andy Case are keeping an eye on ahead of game week 16 um well only because you flagged it up to me really I hadn't really noticed it myself before but somehow like get ready right if you if you're listening on a train on your commute or I don't know you're holding a baby or something at the moment. Just try and take a pause, sit down. Don't don't drop the definitely baby. Put the, definitely put the baby down. Yeah, Not sure because what you can do on the train, really. Um, just put your coffee down. Yeah, put your coffee down. Don't don't pull a face like if you're opposite someone on a on a table, you know that that's going to make you look silly or whatever. But yeah, Bournemouth. Yes, Bournemouth are the second best team in the league for expected goals conceded over the last six games. Now, that is a humongous swing because we were talking horrendous numbers they were conceding earlier in the season. Um, Yeah, and it's not like they've had a completely easy run in that time. They have played Sheffield United and Burnley, but they've also played City, Newcastle and Aston Villa in those last six games, three of the best teams in the league at the moment. So, you know, those are legit numbers and... They have many, obviously, starters in and around very cheap value. So, I mean, yeah, once you pointed that out to me and with the run they've got coming up, obviously, they're away at United this game week. But then similar to Newcastle, they've got a very nice run uh, game week 17 to 19. Um, It's Luton, Forest, Fulham. So, I mean, I could happily take a punt on a Bournemouth defender in, in that stretch, given those underlying numbers. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I wouldn't be bringing a Bournemouth defender in unless I had a defensive injury or I needed to. But I think as we've done a few times this season, I think we did it with with, with Wolves. And I think we did it earlier in the season with Crystal Palace. It's very much like if you need a four and a half million pound or cheaper defender, this is perhaps a team to target. And I think that Bournemouth absolutely fall into that category at the minute. You know, Don't get me wrong, they're not on the radar. And I don't think we're going to be... You know, telling our listeners that you must make a, a big move for, you know, Marcus Sinesi or Milos Kerkes or someone along those lines. But I think they are. Um, you know, I think Sinesi in particular. It does seem like their uptick in form has coincided with him becoming a starter again, and he's 4.3 million. You know, there's no attacking um, your returns. You know, from him, he, he might be getting forward from a corner. I, I, I don't know, but. Um, but but yeah, I think we're we're definitely coming at this from a defensive angle, and and yeah, you know, surprisingly good underlying numbers, and even more surprising when, as Andy says, you add in the fact that they played City, Newcastle, and Villa in that stretch, and and yeah, they've got some reasonable fixtures on the horizon too. So, one to keep an eye on, particularly if uh, if you know if one of your defenders gets injured uh, or suspended in the next game week or two. Uh, let's take a quick break then, Andy. Let's leave it there. And then when we, re- when we return, we will be trying to catch each other once again in our honey traps. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. You can join in the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. We will preview every game week throughout the season, exploring options for your chips and transfers. 
Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods so that you have all the information you need before the game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So, Holly Trap this week, but let's just review our swimming against the tide from last week. And we did put two up here. One is, uh, or one was a success, and one, as we maybe foresaw, was less so of, of a success. Um, Alexander Zinchenko, I think we you know, basically put him, well, we swam against him because we were, well, we believe he was susceptible to rotation. And, and, and you know, lo and behold, he was benched, um, but even though he he did he did uh, he did um, he did start on the substitutes bench. Arsenal also ended up conceding a fair few goals against Luton, um, and we also benched him, or we also swam against him because of the fixtures that they've got on the horizon: Villa, Brighton, Liverpool next. Uh, so yeah, probably not the greatest clean sheet potential for Arsenal coming up. So that felt good. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, however, fourth most transferred in. Um, I think this was more about his price, Andy. I know that we had the conversation off off air about whether he was even worth bringing onto the radar, given his increased underlying attacking numbers and Liverpool's increasingly, I was going to say good, but I'm going to say their defensive underlying numbers are slowly getting better. But obviously, they played Sheffield United this week and didn't actually have it all their own way. But Trent, with an assist and a clean sheet, gives him a double-digit return. I think he's one of the most formed players in FPL at the minute, but still is costing you more than a Phil Foden is. So, yeah, I guess that that sort of justifies why we swam against him and why we still don't think he's, he's particularly worth the outlay. Um, anything to add to those, Andy, before we get into our honey traps for this game week? No, other than just like yeah, reiterate the point of I guess we've got to judge the Trent thing over the over a bigger span of fixtures. Right, I'm not personally convinced that Liverpool's clean sheet potential is is high enough, and for for that price, and also you know even if you talk up the upside of Trent, you know there aren't many midfielders that are eight million, and when where they are, you know the Saka range of of players, you're you're wanting goal threat. Which you okay, you can get the occasional goal from Trent, but his underlying numbers are almost always um, expected assists, aren't they? So, mm. um, yeah, I'm still still pretty happy over overall that 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 that. But people who own him are, are getting a bit smug on Twitter, right? Because he's had three bonus in the last two games, and that pumps up obviously the points return you're getting quite a bit. But um, it's that sort of double whammy of like unsustainable overperformance is helping him get those bonus points so you're you're really you're really massively over benefiting from the actual kind of chances that that are, that are occurring you know um mm. so that uh, yeah i it, i would imagine that that's fine that's lucky and you're going to feel like great i got on him got on him at the right time but there is there is an element of luck there and over a sustained like period you're going to have a lot of money stored up in someone who who is unlikely to, to continue to get that level of return. Yeah, he feels very boom or bust, basically, doesn't he? Like, if you know, if Liverpool keep clean sheet and he gets an attacking return, then he's obviously going to get you a double digit, double digiter. Um, if he doesn't get an attacking return and Liverpool can concede, then he's on for a, you know one or two pointer basically, and and it, it does feel very boom or bust with him at the minute. Um, in addition, United, Arsenal, and Newcastle are three of Liverpool's next five fixtures. And, feel like they might struggle to keep a clean sheet in those ones. So you are very much relying on attacking returns for an £8 million defender. Um, honey traps then this week, Andy. I will let you go first, as I seemingly do quite a bit. But yeah, show me the honey, baby. 
Okay, well, a fair few honey traps this season. Um, we've, we've gone around the categories a little bit, but uh, here this game week, um, I'm going for something that you've done sort of like what you've done before, uh, but not one I, uh, not a, a category I've really gone for. And I think I'm going to say that I think there's going to be at least four away wins in the Premier League this weekend. Um, okay. So obviously away wins are not majorly uh, common uh, or not mm-hmm. as common as home wins, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, it's very dependent on 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 the teams that are playing. Did have a, I tried to have a quick look back through? I mean, it, I couldn't um, quickly enough top them up uh, over a number of game weeks. And there's been a couple where there's been close to four, uh, four maybe five on on a handful of occasions. But yeah, obviously way way more than 50 percent of the time that's that's not the case um to get as many as that so um yeah that's that's why i'm putting that out there now obviously i think there's some jeopardy here in the sense of that that there's a route to me getting four away wins with city being away liverpool being away arsenal being away but in most of the other games obviously you know the treble on those three would be less than 50 percent and um Mm then all the other games are kind of a bit of a toss-up and definitely, you know, you, you, you're you not necessarily expecting away wins there. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm yeah, going. Yeah, I mean, my 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 instant hunt was to, was to take you on it. And I think, yeah, I've just gone back, look through the, the previous five game weeks. And, and yeah, we've seen, you know, there were, there were four in this game week in game week 15, but then there was one, which was famously my swimming against the tides, wasn't it? Or my caught in the honey trap, wasn't it? There, there would, be, would be none and Everton... Everton screwed me. Um, then there were five, or no, then then there were six, but then there was one again the week after, so or the week before. So, yeah, it's um, again it seems a little bit boom or bust, and maybe maybe that's down to the fixture rotation, who's playing away each kind of each week and who's playing at home and things like that. But but yeah, obviously if there were four, then. But yeah, and I'm looking down the fixture list and, you know, obviously, as you say, City are there and Liverpool are there and obviously Arsenal are there, but Arsenal's got a difficult fixture and um, and Newcastle are there as well and so are Chelsea. But yeah, I, I mean, my, my, my inclination was to take you on it, I guess. Yeah, I think I, th- I think um, I can definitely see a route to a route to it happening, but I think ultimately the route or it not happening is more likely. Therefore... I will take you up on it. Nice. Good. Okay. Lovely. Right. I've lured uh, you my, one. my honey's just too yeah. tasty. You can't resist. Okay. Well, not, not, not this week, I can't. Not this one. Um, so mine is, uh, yeah, I guess a similar theme to some I've done before. Maybe not this season, but definitely some that I've done in previous years. And it will tie in nicely to the conversation that we'll have after this segment. And mine is that a Man City player will be the highest scoring player in this game week. Yeah, well, obviously I have to take that uh, pretty much. I've got the field. Um, you have every, the field. Every single other team. I think obviously there is a very, if you had to pick a team, that's a very sensible one to go for. Um, but, um, you know, there's it's you're not having to just pick one team here ultimately are you if you're me you you get um a number of other ones i think 
Liverpool away at Palace with the short turnaround and Palace don't generally concede loads and loads of goals and it makes it harder for um, any one Liverpool player being the, the king of the game week, right? Um, Arsenal, obviously, a tricky fixture away at Villa. Um, so, again, slightly trickier there for any individual player to to get an absolute haul. Of course, you can see two, three goals for Haaland potentially against Luton. Um, but, you know, obviously, as we've seen a number of times, you, you can also in any game week get those random uh, game week 13. We had Tavernier. Uh, game week 14, we had Ben Mee. Um, it's been as... really mixed this year. I was just going through it, actually. Only two City players have got it all season and they will, none of them were than Haaland. It's been Jeremy Doku and, and Bernardo Silva on a couple of, on well, each, each, each once. But yeah, I feel like we've gone through this before and you see you know, City players or Liverpool players, but you know, we've had as many Brentford players as City players getting it this year. It feels quite, quite a mixed bag. Yeah, and that the nature of this isn't it it's just any any one player and particularly we've talked about those instances before when we've had these types of caught in the honey traps is like a defender gets a a clean sheet in an attacking return and they're a long long way to they're probably getting the three bonus and they've got a good shout of being of being king of the game week possibly as well so absolutely yeah, uh will i will be taking you on that Lovely, lovely. Well, fingers crossed for me, it is Erling Haaland that comes through. But uh, yeah, let's wait and see. Uh, or maybe it could be Phil Foden. I'm quite happy if it's Phil Foden if I make that transfer uh, that we alluded to in On The Radar. Um, let's move on to captaincy, Andy, and I guess linked to what I've just said. Uh, that does feel like there's perhaps only two very obvious captaincy options this game week, and both of them are away from home. But yeah, Erling Haaland at Luton, Mo Salah at Palace. Um, Palace look increasingly poor. They feel increasingly to me, and this is maybe doing Michael Elise a bit of a disservice, but they feel increasingly like a one-man team. And if Eze isn't around, they just don't look very good uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, But yeah, Mo Salah also hasn't been quite the goal magnet that perhaps he has been in previous years, although he has still returned pretty consistently this FPL season. Um, And we've spoken earlier on the pod about the problems that we believe Man City have had so far this year, but Rodri does return for this game and they are ultimately playing Luton Town, who are a different prospect at home um, to away from home, but still you'd expect City to have way too much for them and be basically peppering the goal. Um, It feels like well, I was going to say it feels like it leans Haaland this week, but it doesn't even feel, leans maybe too soft, frankly. It feels like Haaland is the pretty obvious choice here. Um, although I guess you wouldn't put anyone off Salah if they were going to go that way. Maybe not put them off, knowing the fact that he came off early in the last game suggests that, Pe- that Klopp obviously wants to start him right against Palace. So um, in some ways, less of a worry about rotation in in this game, seemingly because of that, like um, slight, you know, minutes saved in his legs. But the bottom line is, yeah, I think we, we we've been talking about Palace being relatively mid-table in terms of xG conceded over the course of the season, um, and yeah, like the over the last six games, Luton have conceded double the amount of xG non-penalty xG that that Palace have. So, um you know it's like seven to 14 um so yeah it's 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 not something you can really um 
there, there isn't that there isn't a, a level comparison in, in, by any stretch of the imagination and um whilst Luton's numbers have been a little bit better at home than they have been away um it, they're still worse than Palace even when you just look at home games so in terms of their their non-penalty xg conceded so I think yeah Haaland may, maybe he is due a rest at some point and he has started like pretty much every game um, so I guess that's a, a risk. And, and what's frustrating about a Haaland captaincy benching is that he probably does come on at some point and then that really stuffs you. So I guess that's the thing to to maybe look out for here. But I think I would lean um, ha- Haaland is more prone to hauls as well, at least recently um, in the last in, since Haaland's been in the league. Harlan's been more of a two or three goal per game man, hasn't he? Whereas Salah's been more one return over a con- like consistent stretch type of, type of guy. He has he has at least at least this season, especially with it with his uh, XA being at times almost as high as his XG. Um, yeah, I mean just to reiterate that, or just just to expand on 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 that, you know, Luton being sort of a chalk and cheese at home and away from home. You know, they rank what like twelfth best for XTC conceded at home but they are the worst team in the league for XTC away from home almost five worse than than the 19th best team so so yeah I mean they are a different prospect at home but still you would expect City to have way too much for them and I'm sure they're going to be really desperate to to get one or to, or to, or to get right I mean maybe there's no science or maths or numbers in it or how much stock you put into this but you would imagine that um but yeah this is almost the worst the, the cliche worst time to play City having just come off off a defeat but it does seem like they're not quite clicking um as they as they were at the back end of last year but yeah I think we're almost getting used to Pep teams maybe taking the first half of the season to get really going and then they become a bit of a juggernaut in the second half of the season so so yeah watch out league and I guess uh we could have Kevin De Bruyne back by then too so it could be interesting to see how how effective they are in the second half of the season um and yeah everything that Andy said on on Salah I uh, I tend to agree with so unless you've got anything to add Andy we can finish with a little game we like to call who the heck is that each week Andy and I take it in turns to pick a player from the FPL universe and the other person has to guess who it is they get five clues and if they guess it after the first clue they get five points after the second clue they get four points and so on and so forth each time they hear a new clue they get two minutes to stick or twist on their previous guess so we don't reveal the answer to the end so you can play along wherever you are listening to the FPL lounge podcast uh, I got two points last time and that was with that was for, for Huang. Uh, but yeah, Andy has the opportunity to close the gap. Now, it's a little bit late in the day, Andy. So uh, I hope you're feeling as fresh as possible. Um, but I'm sure an expert and a champion of this game, such as you, uh, isn't doesn't let things like the time of day that we're recording affect you. Um, I'm afraid it probably does. But my co- level, the level of competition I've been facing over the years hasn't really mattered. Um, what I've been feeling, whereas the level of competition has raised slightly this season, so it might have more impact on the outcome. But look, uh, you know, like like Arsenal in the 97th minute at Kenilworth Road, true champions need to dig it out, even if they're not playing at their best, don't they? They do, they do. Um, all right, well, let's without further ado, let's crack on uh, and let's start with clue number one. So it is this player's third season in FPL and they're well on course to eclipse their previous highest score of 66. Who the heck is Stat? 
Okay, third season in FPL. Well, what I discovered last week when Huang, it was his third season in FPL, was that there weren't many that fell in that category because there weren't many that were um, there to throw you off, uh, unfortunately. So, um, mm, but obviously they'd only scored 66 points before means, you know, they, they weren't a prolific point scorer or maybe not a starter. Third season. Oh God, it, it, struggling to even think of anyone whose third season it could be. I mean, obviously, like I say, from last week's, I know that Gordon was an option, but he. Oh no, it was. His, it ended up being his fifth season. So no. Um, Liverpool. McAllister. No, he'd have had more than sixty-six points. Diaz a third season maybe would probably wouldn't be 5% owned hmm. could there be a midfielder there at Liverpool who would be sorry a defender I'm trying to think uh, probably not uh, let's let's keep moving on Brighton God they could hundreds of people here. Ferguson Evan Ferguson could it be his? Seconds. Could be Evan Ferguson's third season, definitely at least second. And I would imagine he'd be well on course for eclipsing. What did you say? Sixty-six Six. was it? Yeah, I mean that that could be around about. Okay, we've got an Ten option. Seconds. Okay, well let's go Evan Ferguson. Please. Okay, no problem. Clue number two, then. Uh, this player only has five attacking returns in their FPL career, two of which were this season, and one of those came on opening day. Who the heck is Stat? Okay. I mean, only five. Yeah, you'd expect if they've only scored 66 as their best before. So that doesn't, I don't know if that necessarily... <sighs> if you're putting the word only in there, it's making me lean towards that it's a defender. Um, but the fact they haven't played much could simply be the reason why they've not had many attacking returns. Uh, Ferguson has had more than five, so I know it's not him, um, but I've got to think of someone else then that's had, could well be their third season. Defender, could it be, whilst I'm on the Brighton train, Esther Pinyan? He got a reasonable number of points last year in the end, didn't he? So I'd thought he'd be more than 66. Who else would be in a third season in the league? Mm -mm. Let's move on. Man United. <sighs> Who knows? Um, Sheffield United or Brentford, I guess it could be. Could there be a Brentford player? Yeah, Visser. Hmm. Visser. Mm, I like Visser because I think I've got a memory of us saying earlier in the season that he had about 60-something points before and that was based on about half the minutes and if he got double the minutes, seconds. could get over 100. And, mm, okay. Hmm. At least it's an option. Are there others? It would be about his third season as well. Huang, could it be Huang? Oh, no, we had Huang. Seconds. Oh, right. Well, I've got to move to uh, 
whatever I said, Vissa, but yeah, Vissa. I think there's I haven't even got halfway down the oh, fixtures. Uh, blow my visa, baby, visa, baby. Let me know. That's one of my favourite uh, songs for this season. Uh, let's move on then to clue number three. Uh, this player has had four price rises this season. Among his position group, only three have had more net rises than him. And at his club, only one player's value has risen more than his since the start of the season. Who the heck is Stat? Can you say that again? Yes, this player has had four price rises this season, or they are now 0.4 million more expensive than they were at the start of the season. Among his prison, uh, among his position group, only three have had more net rises than him. So only three are more expensive than him, based on their starting price, or more expensive. Uh, yeah, you get what do you get what I mean? Only three have had more. Yeah, net I'm not sure yeah. how much this is much helping me, but yeah. And only what? And only one player at his club's value has risen more than his since the start of the season. Who the heck is Stapp? It's gone up by 0.4. I've realised subsequently to the last question that because there was something about five returns, wasn't there? And Vissa must was. have had more than that. So he's he's 0.4 or 0.9, something 0.4 or something 0.9 now. Um, uh only one pl- player at his club's risen more. Okay, I mean, so so what? There's not loads of players at his club, but then four price rises. There could be loads of players at his club that have risen by two or three. So it doesn't tell me whether he's at a good club or a bad club. Or I'm trying to think, what on earth is that clue intended to try and teach me? They've they they've had four price rises, obviously, but like, can I glean anything else? Um, their position group was three players or something that had had more. Yeah. Why? What does that tell me? Uh, is there anything useful I can glean from that? Right. There's thirty seconds. That does it tell me anything about the position? There are three players who've had more than four price rises in that position. So, like, does that make it like a midfielder? But then this is about having only five. So I suppose it could be a defender. Um, Ten seconds. I really have no idea. I've absolutely, I've not, I can't even work out what I'm missing in these clues here. That's so your, that's your time. Well, yeah, I've probably got a stick because I can't. Yeah, that was a lot of thinking in that clue. <laughs> Let's I'll stick with that one. Uh, clue number four, then. This player has two other defensive teammates eligible for who the heck is stat? Who the heck is stat? Two other, so I guess that's saying they're a defender. Correct. A defender who'd be and they have two other defenders eligible, so they're in like an okay team. Um so you've got to think it's like an Arsenal player or a Newcastle player or something like that, maybe. 
five attacking returns. In the course of their career, two this season. One was on opening day. Who? Who? Yeah, who returned on opening day? Can't really remember at this point in time. Um, hmm. This is not an easy one. Um, you've already done... In the last one you done for me, I got lost with it being Simicass. So like it can't be he he's someone who would have thought, oh, has he only had sixty six points before? Is there an equivalent to that in another team? Uh I was a Liberamento, but he wouldn't have scored on the first day. Thirty seconds. Uh okay, Arsenal, who is Zinchenko's not that price. Saliba's not that price. Gabriel has gone not up by four. City, Diaz, no. Akanji, no. Ten seconds. Uh, well, I, I have to like switch to a defender. I don't know which one. Uh, Pass your I just time. Say, like, uh, <laughs> ben White. I don't know. Okay. Clue number five, Ben. So this player has scored negative points twice this season, once for an own goal and once for a red card, where his team also went on to concede four times against the City rival. Who the heck is stacked? Right. Well, that makes me think he's a Spurs player. Because that's what happened to a number of Spurs defenders when they conceded four against uh, Chelsea, which is London. Sixty-six points in a previous. So, like, so if it is a Spurs player, you got Poro, Udoji, but he won't be three seasons. And then Van der Ven and Romero. I suppose it could be Romero's. He's the only one there, I think, where it could be third season. I've got absolutely no idea what price he'd be. Uh, or would there be two other Spurs defenders eligible for the game? Yeah, Dodgy would be one. Who on earth else from Spurs would be? Maybe Poro's snuck into contention now. Um, five attacking returns, maybe. He has had a red card on her own goal this season. Um, 30 seconds. What other clues were there? Third year. Um, price rise. And that's 10 seconds. What other clues were there? The five attacking returns. Yeah, the rises, third season, two other defensive teammates in, in, in Hulekistan. And you had your time. Yeah, well, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to to Romero then, but yeah, I don't know. And they well, you've got it for a point. It is indeed Christian Romero. Um, yeah, I mean, I I I don't know. I I I feel a little having watched you do this for three or four years now that you're not going through your teams quite how you used to. And yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying you're losing your mojo because I know that that's going to come back to bite me on the backside at some point. But I feel like maybe it's the time of day. But I feel like you, 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 you're not doing what you, you're not going through it in the same methodical way that you may be used to. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I was just well as I was going through it, I, I just couldn't work out what those clues were. I, I, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I think I think clue three was maybe a little bit mean maybe it didn't tell you loads but it definitely told you that um you know we know i think we know broadly that four price rises is fairly high and that this player's only there's only one more at this at this club so i thought you would have gone through at least maybe started thinking about who each club's highest price riser might have been um obviously when we come down christian romero is a particularly obvious like no, sure, Price but I guess necessarily. No, he, he 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 isn't. I mean, I guess there was elements of me that thought maybe because we've had conversations this year. I know we've had a lot of conversations about fantasy, but he was in that Joachim Anderson sort of bracket for a bit, where he was getting a lot of price rises that we felt a bit unnecessarily. Um, so I did think that maybe would have jogged the memory somewhat, but maybe it didn't. Um, and then yeah, I think clue four, like you know. I'm not. I I I don't mean to criticise your style at all, and it's not intended to be that way. But you know, I thought at the at the point when you knew that there were at least three player, three defenders eligible for who the heck is that, you would have started the big six. Pre, I think it took you at least a minute to even start thinking about Arsenal. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's. I feel like especially that clue wasn't too bad. But I don't know. Clue three, maybe before it was was a, was a bit of a thrower. So, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, on the fourth one, I guess. Yeah, the I was a bit still stuck on the four price rises thing, and and trying to think who that who that could be, rather than like yeah, the the teams that because obviously I I guess I dismissed Newcastle and Liverpool in my head quite quickly, but then wasn't really sure where to go I, I guess Spurs didn't even strike me at all as some as a team that would have had three defenders eligible for the game just with like the number of goals they've been conceding um yeah yeah I mean, and I just yeah, felt they're, off they're, the first they're not three. super high ultimately but but yeah Poro is 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 the most owned Spurs defender now he's he's above 10 percent right. and then Odoggi and, and Romero are, are around nine so you know it's not completely borderline who the heck is that eligibility yeah, yeah. That's I'm surprised Poro's that high. That sort of snuck up because he he's a bit he started the season a bit more, didn't he? Expensive, but yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. Anyway, you salvaged yourself a point, which is uh, which is which is always worthwhile. We've had a few zeros over the course of the years. I think even you've had one this season. So yeah, done done all right. Um, Keep yourself well in touch, and I'm sure that I'm I'm sure that I've got some stinkers left in me. So, 
so yeah, um, let's leave it there. As uh, well, yeah, let's bring this one home. Um, but Andy, if any of our listeners have any questions about what to do, namely maybe, maybe even about just Phil Foden, how much we love him, how can they get in touch? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge and uh, yeah, show us the Phil Foden love. Yeah, because there's plenty of it to go around and we'll, we're, we're always willing to share in the FPL lounge. Um, do also remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And I think we had a quick look, didn't we, Andy, at our Spotify wrapped and we found that four, four of our listeners, we were your favourite podcast. Uh, so if you're one of those four, get in touch, let us know because we'd be we'd love to hear from you we absolutely would and we've never invested in any uh fpl merch fpl lounge merch uh but you know if we were to you'd be the first four people uh, on our minds for some of it absolutely yeah let's uh we'll get we'll get knitting the beanie right now shall we you can do it on on, on your trip up north because yeah, andy's off to see uh potentially a future premier league team um play it through town this weekend we all oh, right, good one. Yeah, well, yeah. well, we'll see. You might as well. You might as well keep getting those digs in whilst you can, right? Until you put in Wes Burns in your team next season. Oh, mate, his goal the other day. Outrageous. Unbelievable. Outrageous. Yeah. My, like, I, I have been thinking about this, and maybe this is definitely. Well, this is definitely for another podcast. But I, I do think, in general, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but my impression of Ipswich is that they do share the returns around quite a bit so it might be difficult to have a standout pick if they go up is that reasonable yeah i think so i I mean i just think and without significant squad overhaul i think they'll do similar to as the current recently promoted teams have done right so i I, don't as it stands at the moment i wouldn't be going near any any Ipswich players as 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 an option you've you've got to have one as a bench former if they go up you've got to have one I mean, I'm not going to... I suppose if I can put Cameron Archer in my team, if there's like a starting 4.5 million forward, then okay, here we go. But... Um, I feel like Hurst or Broadhead would be at least five, wouldn't you? If Carl Morris was five and a half, then... Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. Anyway, Just that's definitely so over, like, every game, Every game I've watched, huge gaps at the back. Uh, but that's the style that they that they play, so... Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they tighten up a little bit of uh, four and a half million or four million. Least Davis might be might be the way to go. Um, anyway, we that's definitely uh, definitely for another pod, I think. So, yeah, Andy, we will be back. Um, normal, I guess, normal service resumes uh, next game week. So we'll be back Thursday, uh, Thursday or Friday ahead of the weekend. Although I think there is a Friday night football next week, so we might have to be back a little bit earlier. Uh, but otherwise, we better get thinking, Andy. We better get putting things in our diary ahead of Christmas and, and knowing when we can do pods over the festive period. But until next week. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Mm-hmm.